Good morning again. Our second scripture reading today comes to us uh, from the Gospel of, or actually not from the Gospel of Luke, from the book of Acts. We're continuing uh, with our story of what happens after the events of Easter. What happens with Jesus? What does he do and say as he moves forward from the book of Acts, from the book of Luke, into, from the Gospel of Luke, into the book of Acts? Let's get ourselves together. Listen for God's word to you from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning once again. It is really great to be with you today um, for this hour of praise and prayer, this time of fellowship, of encouragement, of inspiration, a chance to hear again uh, what God has to say and how it might impact us, affect us, lead us in our own lives. I want to say hi to those watching at home again on Facebook Live and YouTube, those listening later on this podcast, and all of you here today. Great to be with you. So this has been, uh, in many ways, a heavy week this last week. Last Sunday, we had already heard about and prayed about two mass shootings in our country. And then last Sunday afternoon, while we were at an Eagle Court of Honor, we heard about another one, this one at the Geneva Presbyterian Church in Southern California. And that's a church that a lot of you know because it's the place where our Mexico mission teams stop and stay overnight on our way south. So many of you have slept on the floor in that very church. And the congregation that was attacked is actually a Taiwanese Presbyterian church that nests within a larger Anglo congregation. And this has resonances for us too because many of us have Taiwanese family and friends and we have in our own presbytery a, a Taiwanese Presbyterian church right here in San Jose where Pastor Jack will be preaching next Sunday. On top of that, COVID has been messing things up again, hasn't it? The prayer list that we have in our bulletin is only a partial listing of some of those who we know have been suffering with COVID and dealing with that reality. The news in Ukraine is tough. It's hard to watch and think about the trauma and the, the loss, the pain and hurt uh, that's happening in that country in an ongoing, everyday way. In our own country, there's been inflation that has hit our economy and is causing suffering and is really disrupting our lives. We know that political discord goes on and on and on. 
So we come into church today. We come here and gather as God's people, and I think we need to be re-centered. We need to be reset. We need to be reminded of who God is in the midst of all of this. And so I want to invite you to do something with me today. We're going to read together and aloud from the words of Psalm 46. I think these are words that we need to hear. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you, and you'll see the word selah, um, and that means rest or take a breath or maybe pause before the next part. So we're going to read this together out loud, and then we're going to pause just where it says selah. So let's see what God's word has for us. Let's see if we can get it up here. There we go. Join me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. I wanted to bring this focus with you today. Just let you sit in that. Hear the good news as it's given to us in the scripture about a God who's our refuge and strength, the one who is with us in every trouble. It brings us to our scripture passage today from Acts chapter 1, not Luke, where um, we see uh, what Jesus says, what he brings up as important to know for those who would seek to follow him in their lives. This is what he tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And this is the fifth time in the Bible that some version of Jesus' commission to his disciples, sending out to his disciples, shows up. We see it in Matthew 28, where it says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We hear it in the Gospel of Mark, where he says, Preach the gospel to every creature or to all creation. We see it in Luke, where Jesus says, Repentance and remission of sins should be preached in in his name to all the nations. And then the Gospel of John, he tells them, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And in all these examples from the Scriptures, from the Gospels, except for the, except for the John uh, version, the scope of this commission, uh, the sending and the opportunity is global. It's a global sending. It's worldwide. It is so inclusive that it's meant to reach all people, all nations, all cultures, all tribes, all kinds. Jesus' followers are meant to be his witnesses to show and share his love so that it would be good news for all the people. And that's what the book of Acts, which we're just getting into, is going to have to wrestle with. The way that the early Christian church, the Jesus movement, it spread out quickly from its base and origins in the Jewish people and religion out into uh, the Greco-Roman world. And so they had to figure out, how do we encounter and cross over with different cultures and languages and peoples? 
How do we do that? How do we live in the world and show God's love? And that's the question we have as well. Jesus tells them, you will be my witnesses. And this is something I want you to know. The word witness in the Greek of the New Testament, the word witness is martis or martyrus. And that's the same word where we get the English word martyr. Witness, martis, martyrus. So the word witness, someone who hears something or sees something and tells about it, is linguistically linked with the English word martyr, which is somebody who suffers because of what they believe or say or do. Here's the idea. To be a witness for Christ or to have a witness about what God has done um, or, or, or who God is, it tends to be linked or related with hard things, the hard realities of this life. Being a witness or having a witness doesn't come easy. Our good and gracious God works in the middle of all the tough stuff of life, all the hurt and harm that we read about, see about, and experience. And so we bear witness in the midst of these things. And I want to give you a few examples today, three examples. You like Presbyterian sermons with three points? I know you do. Three examples. We were talking earlier about the Geneva Presbyterian Church and that Taiwanese congregation there. And I'm just going to return to that story for a minute. Um, there were multiple people who were shot in this church. Uh, and one of them was shot and he was killed. His name is Dr. John Cheng. And as this terrible event was unfolding, we can imagine how scary it was. Um, Dr. John Cheng, he charged across the room toward the guy with the gun. And even as he was shot, he continued to struggle. According to the Orange County District Attorney, his heroic actions saved many lives. The DA said, quote, he sacrificed himself so others could live. He's a martyr. He's a witness. His life in the medical profession was, was spent trying to help other people. He was a man of faith and of science, and when the time came, he was also a man of action. The witness of his life will always be the way he loved and cared for his family, of course. It will be about the way he loved and cared for his patients, but it will also be about the way that he loved and cared for others when they needed to be protected. The witness he has will always be tied up with the events, the tragic events of that day, and it cost him his life. Craig Barnes, who is the president of Princeton Theological Seminary, uses another word that might be helpful to us. He calls it gravitas, to have gravitas. Do you know someone who has gravitas? Barnes describes it this way. He says, it is a soul that has developed enough spiritual mass to be attractive like gravity. Gravitas has to do with wounds that have, been he that have healed well, failures that have been redeemed, sins that have been forgiven, and thorns that have settled into the flesh. You can't be a person of gravitas by staying high up and far away from the problems of pain. It comes through life experience. I think witness is the same way. It comes through a life experience. If we're going to be God's witnesses, and I think that's our calling. If we're going to be God's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, it happens because we become acquainted with, inaugurated by, and baptized into the hard pain and realities of this world. 
we have a greater understanding of what human suffering is like, and it forms us and shapes us in our own witness. This week, this is the second example. We heard some hard news here in our area. There was a young man who some of you will remember. His name is Ali, and he had long black hair like a heavy metal rocker. And he came to the United States as an asylum seeker from his home country. He was in danger in his home country. And he was a person with mental health issues, medical issues. He was homeless. He couldn't function in a regular way in our society. Somehow he found his way here to PCLG, and he met Steve Fainer, our youth director. Steve's not here today, so it makes, me e it makes it easier for me to tell his story, which he would not tell you. Steve got to know Ali and became his advocate and worked on his asylum case. Steve was the direct contact point for Ali's family. Steve was a bridge person for our church as we tried to figure out what to do with this homeless youth who would wash his long hair in our sink and try to sleep on our campus overnight. They weren't of the same nationality. They weren't of the same religion. They weren't of the same social circles. They weren't in the same categories in almost any way in this life. But Steve was a friend to him, cared about him, helped him, loved him. Our church was Ali's mailing address. We received his mail, and, we, and Steve would put it out on his porch, his front porch, to hold it for him. And if you saw Ali and Steve, if you saw them together, kind of an odd couple, you would have seen Steve's witness to love the unlovable, to bless the persecuted, to include others even when it's really hard. I don't know that Steve told Ali that much about Jesus, but I know that he showed him who Jesus is. I know that he showed him what Jesus is like. I know he showed him how Jesus loves. We found out this week that Ali's body was discovered at a homeless camp where he'd been staying. And this troubled young man's life is over. I don't know that anything else could have been done. In some ways, we saw it coming. But the witness of how Steve treated Ali will live on. The word witness is related to the word martyr, one who would show or share the love of God and who does it in the midst of suffering. There's actually kind of something that's unique about Christian theology and belief. You know, in Buddhism, they have the four noble truths, and one of them is to love without attachment or desire without trying to hold on to the things or people that we love. Hold back. Let it go. But Christian teaching about love is different. We believe that love and uh, loss go hand in hand. Love and pain or suffering are linked. If you love in the way of Jesus, it will put you into circumstances and relationships and conversations that can be hard, where pain is real, where the answer is not clear. And yet, we are called to love and serve in the way of Jesus anyway. Think about this. We serve a God whose love for the world was made known by sending his son into the world. That's how we got to know God's love. He sent Jesus into the world. But then Jesus goes to the cross and dies, and that's pain. Those two realities are really tied up, locked up together in this life, in his life, Jesus knelt at the feet of his friends and washed their feet. He was a servant. 
He went and touched lepers to heal them. He got close to people he wasn't supposed to, you know, like women at the well, the um, Samaritans, tax collectors. He wasn't supposed to be around that sort of people, but he did it anyway. That's how Jesus loves. The witness of Jesus' life and teaching is that the way to love others is to get close to the places of hurt in this life. It's in those experiences that we grow up in grace, that we gain gravitas, that we become a people with a witness. I was talking to a friend this week, and this is the third little example, who's gone through a whole cycle of cancer. Her brother was also really sick, and her mom and her other sister also had cancer. These health concerns and pain for the family was real. And then she said this. We were talking on the phone. She said this, but that's our witness. We are trusting God even in all that we've been through. We are trusting God even in all that we have been through. So these are just three examples of what a witness looks like. First is Dr. John Cheng, who literally gave his life to protect others. So he's a martyr and a hero. Second is the way that Steve stepped into relationship with Ali, someone who had a troubled life and showed him care and attention that bears witness to the love of God that is behind it. And then third, this woman who dealt with so many medical and health issues for herself and for her family. And her witness is that she continues to put her life into God's hands to trust God fully, to have an attitude that is full of gratitude and hope and love. And I wonder today about you. What about you? What about me? As we hear Jesus' word saying, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, what will our witness look like? Here's what I know. When we open our hearts and our minds, like we're doing today on this Sunday morning, to hear God's word, to hear God's message for our lives, when you do that and you let it sit with you and you take it with you into your week, as I know you do regularly, somehow God opens a way and the message will show up in your week. The, the word of God is planted like a seed and then it grows and bears fruit. So you're going to have a chance pretty soon to bear witness. Just watch. You will soon have a health concern, maybe, or a family matter, or an interpersonal issue where the question will be, how will you show the love of God in how you respond? That's a witness. You may soon meet someone whose life is not set and settled in the way that we wish it would be, and you may bear witness in how you treat that person. You may even come into a situation where your words or actions or presence will make all the difference. But do not worry, little flock, because God promises to be with us as we are sent out to bear witness. God promises to be with us out in the world to give us Holy Spirit power that is not our own, to be our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. So we go out today, not by our own power, but by the grace of God. We go out today in Christ's name into a waiting and watching world. We go out today with a question on our minds. 
Can I get a witness? I pray that we will. Amen.